Amen, amen. You may be seated. Learning authority that we carry just because we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior and empowered by the Holy Spirit, there is a level of authority that automatically starts to happen in our lives. When it's kind of like marriage. When you say, I do, on that wedding day, there's a level of commitment in marriage that starts to happen. How many of you know that when you said, I do, you didn't understand everything about marriage? Amen. 33 years, I'm still figuring it out a little bit. But I'll tell you what, I've got an amazing wife that of 33 years that, that is just able to withstand me, which that's tough sometimes, I, I know, I know, but uh, she's able to, and it's just amazing, and, and, uh, and we're just so much in love. But the choice of that covenant of I do was between her and me. It actually wasn't between God and me, it was between her, Sharon, and me. I made the choice of the covenant. It was sealed in the heavenlies. The choice of marriage is a decision you make, and if you believe in the biblical principles of marriage, it gets sealed in the heavens for you to work things out. I say survive it. For me, it hasn't been a survival. It's been actually amazing. We, we, we're just super, super excited about love and marriage and everything else. If you've gone through a bad marriage, guess what? There's still hope. Because God never wants us to live and dwell in the past issues and mistakes. He's always looking for redeeming us into the future of what he has called for us and destined for us. Learning this authority that we have through the presence of God in our lives is an absolute must. I, I talked on the presence last week. I believe over and over we have got to go after the presence, the presence, the presence uh, in every area of our lives if we're actually going to succeed and be successful and fruitful and multiply in this season. Because the enemy is trying everything he can to knock your success rate down, knock your multiplication down, and knock your fruitfulness for God down. He does not want to see that, but guess what? He's a liar, and I know the truth, and it's right there, and it's our foundation, and it's God's word. The more of God's presence, the more authority and peace you have. Interesting, the, the thought that came to me about authority is the authority to receive from God is more about the authority of peace than the authority of power. We always think authority brings power or power increases authority. I believe that God's not as interested in the power that you display. He's more interested in the authority of peace that you carry. Because in the authority of peace, any storm you'll sleep through or you'll get up and rebuke it, either one. Because the authority of peace, the authority of love, the authority of righteousness, the traits of God, when that is living strong in us, the power will be released from that authority and the power will be released for all good things instead of the wrong things. Authority is not always attached to the need of an outward sign or power. But many times authority is peace in the storm. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. Matthew 8, 23. Now when he, that's Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him. 
Interesting, Jesus was leading his disciples into a storm. Oh, maybe he didn't know it was a storm coming. Eh, I don't know. I think he could read the seasons and the times very, very well. Because he actually called the religious rulers of the day hypocrites because they could read the physical seasons of times, but they couldn't read the spiritual ones. So he got into the boat. His disciples followed him. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. Anybody been out in a boat in a storm and know what it's like when the waves are covering the boat? That means sinking. 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 It means bail, bail, bail like your life depends on it. I'm a captain in yachts, so I've been in many, many storms, and we have pumps, and I've even been bailing in the littler boats with buckets. So the boat was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. (laughs) Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. In other words, in this, this story, this testimony, Whatever storm you have, you need to find the place to sleep in it. Everyone else will probably come to you. Don't you care? Don't you care that the world's drowning around us? Not when I'm sleeping. I'm dreaming nice dreams. (laughs) So his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying... If it's your will, no. Oh, please, 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 no. They woke him. I don't think they went up to him and kind of went, Jesus, are you sleeping? No, no. I think uh, at this point in time for them to wake up their master, their teacher, they were fearful for their lives. It's interesting how when we start to fear for our lives how close we want to become to God. (laughs) I know many people that probably aren't saved cry out to God, save me. I want us to live a culture and a lifestyle that we're so close to God, we don't step into fear. Instead of fear, calling out to God. That's not the way the Bible says to live. That we're supposed to live in his presence in such a level that the disasters and the things happening around us aren't affecting us. Instead, we're affecting them. They're not changing us. We're changing them. And so his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We're dying for crying out loud. Don't you understand? I can't even swim in the boat sinking. Don't you care that we die? Verse 26. And Jesus said to them, for crying out loud, what on earth are you fearful of? The storm! Like I said, what are you fearful of? COVID! What are you fearful of? Cancer! What? Why? What are you fearful of? 
pandemic? Oh, what are you fearful of? The news? I know a good news right there. And that's our foundational news right there. Sometimes we got to just hit off, off, and off because we got so many things going all at once. Do not disturb. Why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. You see, faith is directly related to fear. It's a 180-degree opposite. Why are you fearful, oh, you of little faith? You're in fear, so you have little faith. You have big faith, you don't have fear. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, who can this be? that even the winds and the seas obey him. With Jesus in us, we actually are supposed to walk with the ability and the authority to tell or control physical things and put them back in the alignment that they're supposed to be in. I had a pistol stuck in my forehead in Tijuana, Mexico, and the guy pulled four times and it misfired four times. The pin, the firing pin, center-punched the cartridge, but it just happened to misfire four cartridges, and the guy got saved. I've had so many miraculous things happen that just don't make sense, but then why should it make sense if we think with our earthly mind? If a semi-truck drives through us, and we pop out the other side, and we're not hurt, and the van's not hurt, why should we think, oh my goodness, was that miraculous? Well, of course it was because that's the lifestyle we're called to live in. If we're not living in the expectation of the miraculous, you're probably not going to see it, but you might see it happen in somebody else. We have to have the expectation. If we don't have the expectation of the miraculous, find Jesus better. Because the whole reason he died on the cross and rose from that grave, miraculously rose from the grave, was so you and I could be shining light in the darkness of this world. Living in authority also changes how we deal with the demonic and spiritual warfare. When you live in the authority... And the understanding, we call it identity of who we are through Christ Jesus. The spiritual warfare teachings start to change. You start not looking for every demon to go after it and rebuke it and kick it out. You start just living in the supernatural realm with the power and the authority of the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to where the demons come looking at you and say, "Uh, what are you doing before your time? Are you going to do something before our time? Well, Actually, since you're in my way, just get into the pigs. Matthew, 20, Matthew 8. So right after the storm, Jesus had authority in the physical realm, the physical world around when others were fearful. Just remember, when I'm talking about Jesus, the whole reason 
is because you and I are to do greater things. That if you have Jesus in you, then we must at least be doing what he did, but we're called to do greater things. Matthew 8, continuing, verse 28. And when Jesus had come to the other side, so this is right after he just calmed the storm. It's interesting because maybe these two demonic men had seen the storm and saw him out in the middle of the lake calming it. I don't know. Something triggered these two demonized men. It could just be the presence of authority that Jesus walked in. But chances are they knew that his disciples were scared of dying, but Jesus wasn't, and Jesus calmed the storm and told the wind and the waves to stop like a little child disciplining the two-year-old, saying, stop it. One, don't do that. Two, anybody know what I'm doing? Don't, I said, don't do that. Two and a half. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, you know what? I'd rather you get up in the middle of your storm right now and start counting one to two and a half, but just make sure you get to three and rebuke it and cast it out. Some of you are looking at me. I don't have a clue what he's talking about, numbers. Uh, when we've got children, we're raising our kids, and they're little, and we're saying, don't, don't do that. And they're testing. Anybody ever have a testing kid? Anyone ever not had a testing kid? Maybe that's the better answer. (laughs) And they, you know, they don't get in those candies. I said don't. One, three gets a spanking. Can I say that now? Is that legal or do I go to jail? (laughs) Two. Don't go two and a half, hit three, and discipline the child. However that is, take away their PS3 or four or five or whatever number we're at. I don't know. We used to play Pong. (laughs) See, it's all my age group laughing. We had a a screen. It was black and white. I might have green in color, actually. And we had a paddle here and a paddle here, and one ball. I think they've actually reinvented it again. I think some of the newer games do it, and that's how we played. And then it would speed up. Anyways. That was before we had these, everybody. When we had come to the other side, verse 28, to the country of the Georgenesis, There met Jesus two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. They came out to stop everybody. And suddenly they cried out saying, it's interesting, Jesus didn't say anything. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus? You son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? Oh, those demons, they know their destiny's torment. So why don't we live in our destiny now? And just torment them all the time. They just 
drive them absolutely nuts, not going after them, just by living in the presence of God, it torments them right into hell. <laughs> you son of God, yep. I am adopted in to the family of God. I'm a son of God. I just don't want that little devil to look back and say, well, you sure don't act like one. I want them to come running up and say, why are you tormenting us this way? <laughs> because that's your destiny, devil. Verse 30, now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. At this point, Jesus hadn't said anything. It's all the demons asking and begging. Verse 30, so the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. If you cast us out. And Jesus said to them, go. <laughs> you've put me into a position where you've come to me saying, if I cast you out. That means you just said, I'm going to go ahead and do it, so go. And what happens? So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. And then Jesus, who kept them, and those, sorry, and those who kept them fled. And they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from the region. It's like the region accepted the culture of the demonic. The region had already accepted their doom. And I want to tell you what, no matter how long this virus persists, we never accept the doom. We never, ever live in a family culture where we just accept what the enemy's doing around us. Nope. Because you know what? If we accept what the enemy's doing around us, then you're asking Jesus not to come into your home. I won't accept it. I've been vaccinated. Yep, I had to. I, uh, Kevin and I are off to Pasadena on Wednesday. We're back Saturday. In a couple weeks after that, Sharon and I are into, into Mexico ministering to our pastors and leaders and young people, a women's meeting. They got us, I think, eight, eight preaches in three days. They're catching up for the year and a half we haven't been there. <laughs> Let us not be a whole city that comes out to Jesus and asks him, we're just too comfortable where we're at, so we don't want you here. I just think revival might be a little uncomfortable because the money I'm making, I'm going to have to want to sow it. And so it might just be easier not to sow it. If we don't have revival, I won't have to sow so big. 
Like we might actually get some people that stink a little bit in the sir. Oh, but you know what? If you've had COVID and don't smell or stink, you know, smell anything, you're going to be fine. Bring them all in. But the reality is, is revival's messy. It's not cut and polished. It never has been and it never will be. I guarantee you cut and polish everything exactly the same. It's just called religion. And I'm not happy. I don't really enjoy just focused religion. I, I just want focused God. It's not that denominationalism or apostolic is wrong or right. What it is is we just need God. And however that happens in a family, let's just celebrate it. We must walk with authority and power. I remember, I actually just told the story, I think it was at home about the witch doctor in Uganda. Was that at home around or was that here? It was at home, right? At Winsome, that's right. So uh, you go to, don't go to Winsome, you miss it, so I'm not going to say it. No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. So I had flown over to uh, rescue, we were, we were part of rescuing 75 kids out of the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army, um, in northern Uganda. This is years ago. And uh, uh, they had, most of their parents and family members had all been beheaded or slaughtered, and these little kids were remaining, some of them, some cut up, some, uh, and whatnot. So we rescued them, and we started uh, uh, a ministry called the Jesus Village, and we were working with another ministry, but it was Windward working with them as well. And so uh, we, I ended up purchasing land, um, acreage, um, outside of, outside of uh, Kampala, and uh, we went to go walk the land, and uh, we were actually bringing electricity in. There was no power in that little village. Um, I think at the time we spent over $45,000 to bring one wire in the kilometers with telephone poles. So we put a light on our land. We were the only light in the whole village, but we had a light on our land. And I was walking the land, and uh, the, the locals that were with me, pastors, um, said, uh, see, the, on the hill there is the witch doctor. And I said, oh, is there squatter rights here? And they said, yes, there is. So if you don't fence the property in a certain amount of time, someone lives on the land so many years, uh, they actually have rights to live on the land. And uh, they said, he's a really fierce witch doctor, so what, what should we do? And they were actually all quite nervous of him. I said, well, why don't we just walk the land and pray first, and let's just see where the Lord takes us. And so we're walking around, and I'd glance up every now and then. It's just a little hill, maybe 200 feet up, and his little hut up there, and, and he's standing out there watching us. I know he's watching us. One, I could feel it spiritually, too. I kept glancing up to look. And so we're praying around for probably a good 45 minutes, hour, and uh, as we're walking back, um, I said, well, Let's just go on up the hill here and keep praying. They're like, we can't go up that hill. I said, well, yes, we can. I'm going to go up the hill. Are you coming? And so they came reluctantly, but quite far behind me. And so we walk up, and this witch doctor, he's just a skinny little guy. He's got no shirt on, and, and his hair, and his goofy paintings on his body, everything. Like, it was weird, and... Uh, um, uh, he's standing there staring at me. He's not very tall, about this big and skinny, and uh, I walked up and said, do you speak English? And he actually did. He spoke some broken English, enough that we could communicate. I said, do you know what, what, what we're doing on this land? And he says, yes. I said, you realize we're praying on this land to sanctify it? He says, I know that. I said, well, 
the option that you have is you either convert to Jesus Christ or you get off our land. And he looked at me, and the guys behind me were absolutely freaked out. And he looked at me, and he said, let me think about that. I said, absolutely. And we walked away. It was the next day or two days later, I can't remember, we walked back onto the land, and he's standing up there watching us. So we were measuring and marking out for some buildings, and some of the locals, we hired them that day to start digging. And I walked up the hill. I said, come on, guys, we're going to go up the hill and speak to our buddy up there. I didn't say buddy, but just come on up. They were a little bit more eager. They weren't as nervous, and they came up, and I walked up to him. I said, so what's your decision? He said, I know your power, and I know your authority. I said, okay, what's your decision? He said, I need to know your Jesus. I said, okay. So we led him to the Lord. And then we hired him. He was our first employee on the land. We hired him to be our guard. And we actually took a little wire up, and he became the first little hut to have a light in his little front there, you know. So, so you, you look at this stuff, and you can let fear become powerful and change your identity, or you can become powerful and let fear go back where it belongs. You see, there's two options here. You're either for him or you're against him. That whole lukewarm thing in between, matter of fact, not a good thing if you read the Bible. And we're in a season that needs for him people. For him, for God, people. That's what's going to be the church of Canada. That's what's going to be the church that reaches the nations and the world. It won't be one that's fearful. It will be one that walks like a roaring lion and the grounds tremble wherever they go that they will become the light unto this world and the darkness will dispel and flee in Jesus' name. That's our destiny. Matter of fact, if you're here just to be lukewarm and Warm up a chair. There's probably some good churches around. Because I would rather have a smaller family on fire than a large family that has no fire in Jesus' name. I tell you what, I'd rather have Gideonites here than just regular Israelites in Gideon's day. And it's not against you choosing another church. I just want to ask you, if you do, what inheritance are you giving to your sons and daughters? Yeah, we, mommy, yeah, we, we left that church because it, it, it's just a bit too fired up Christians. <laughs> they make me uncomfortable. Well, good. Nowhere in that word does it say your Christian Christianity is comfortable. Matter of fact, why did God send the comforter? 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 9. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be... 
I'm sure this doesn't sound like what we're going through today, but let's just listen to it. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They'll be unthankful and unholy. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander each other without self-control. They'll be brutal. They'll be despisers of good. They won't want truth. They want their own narrative. They'll be despisers of goods. They'll be traitors, headstrong people, haughty people, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's interesting because these verses, if you really search them out in both Greek and Hebrew, are talking more to the church than they are to the sinners. Having a form of godliness but denying its power? Not in this house. And from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to speak this word to you right now, verse 7. There's a lot of believers that are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're always learning over and over, and over, and over. Sin, learn. Sin, learn. Sin, learn. Let me tell you what, what this verse is saying, that if you're always making dumb, bad decisions, you need to have the truth and the knowledge of it in your life. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. I believe we are in a time where the mediocre just will not progress any farther. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. We live in perilous times for sure, but I tell you what, God has given us more opportunities during this pandemic to evangelize than we've ever had in the history of the world. What do you mean? I don't care if you wear a mask, be the gospel, live the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're probably not evangelizing in a group of 90% of the people in a store that are all scared, spitless of getting COVID, take your mask off. Look at me, I'm a Christian. That's probably not evangelizing in a way they're going to listen. Sometimes you got to put your own convictions down, your own personal ideas down, and do what it takes to live and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Romans, <laughs> to whoever it is, in Jesus' name. Never, ever, though, allowing the foundation of the Word to not be in your life. So what is Brent saying? If I want to go witness to the alcoholics, I become drunk? No, 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 no. Because if you go get drunk with the wrong spirits, you won't be preaching the gospel of Jesus. 
You want to get drunk, get drunk of the wine of the Holy Spirit in his presence. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. If the people you hang around with is corrupting you, you're getting habits that are bad, get away from them. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm witnessing to them. Not if they're corrupting you, you're not witnessing to them. You are witnessing just for the wrong individual, the wrong side. We need to be wise with who we hang out in these seasons. I feel that many people are seeking the will of God, the will of the Lord in their lives right now. I believe that I've heard more people looking for God's purposes in their life. Sometimes we make that process, that quest way, way too difficult. We feel that His will needs to come as a revelation from the Lord and forever change our future. Oh God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Just give me the revelation of your will in my life. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, God. Been here, been two years, been five years. Still waiting, God. You know what? He gave it to you long before you ever said, I'm waiting. It's just so many people think that the revelation of the will of God in their lives is that you're going to become the next Billy Graham. You know what? Hate to disappoint you. You might not lead quite as many people to Jesus as Papa Billy did. But you see, it's not about the numbers that you lead to Jesus. The number one priority is, are you walking with Jesus? Because if your life is the living testimony that we're destined and called to live, then you are preaching Jesus. God's will is already spoken into the existence. He's just looking for people to live in the obedience of his spoken word already. And you might say, oh, but Brent, that's what I'm trying to do. I don't think we're in a season of where we just keep trying and trying. I think we're in a season where we just got to learn how to do it. And that might be losing our minds for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It might be losing our own understanding. I guarantee you we won't understand if we think with a cranial matter between our ears. Because this here still hasn't figured out how the miracles that I've seen, how they worked. But you know what? It's not my destiny to figure out how or why. My destiny is to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Whatever that looks like, God. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. No, I'm with you first. I'm with you, God. Yeah, but I wrote it first in the Bible that I am with you always. Until the very end, I'm with you. Okay, okay, you win, God. But I hang on to that promise and make it my own that I'm with you until the very end, Lord.
To wait on the Lord is a good thing. But to use that as an excuse to not serve in the meantime is a bad thing. What do you guys want to serve? No, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Tell you what, why don't you come on over to Korea with me and we're going to lock you up in the little six by six shot, the little, I don't know, they stand about this tall. You can't stand up when you get on your hands and knees and lock the doors behind. The little prayer houses. Why don't, why don't you come with me to Korea next time and we'll just put you each in one of those while you're waiting. No food, no water, just waiting. I believe the Lord is saying, the waiting is over. It's time to get doing. It's time to get doing. But I am doing, yeah, but there's more. There's so much more. There's so much more. Yes, we wait on the Lord, but we wait on the Lord to hear and then do. Wait. Listen, hear, and do. The sad part is some people wait, they listen, they hear, but they never do. This is a season of redemption. I believe the Lord is opening doors up for us. That you're here to help build this church and the churches of this valley and the churches of Canada and the churches around the world. And you better not be waiting for me to go out and try to knock on everyone's door around you. Because while you're waiting, you should be shining light. You should be encouraging people. You should be living the kingdom of God at hand now. You should be inviting people in. Yeah, but what if we can't social distance? Don't worry about it. We'll do two services, we'll do three, we'll do five, it doesn't matter. But the church doesn't grow by the pastor. The church grows by the people. Revival never grew by one man. It grew by a group of people believing in the revival. Every revival died when man tried to fight for the ownership of it. Wait, listen, hear, and do. The timing of the Lord for you right now is to be obedient to him so he can reveal his will to you. Because God's will for your life is to live in the obedience of his will. Imagine. Well, that didn't really help me, Brent. God's primary purpose and will for every one of us is to be a son and a daughter. To love him more than anything else in this world. That's his will. And out of that love and understanding of identity, I guarantee you, you won't have to try to figure out your ministry. I guarantee you, you will just become ministry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. To love each other and to serve each other, that is God's will. Don't lose sleep over it. It is God's will to accomplish things in the bride of Christ that we know we're called to do. And the more we're willing to serve our Lord and Savior, Father God, Holy Spirit, the more He reveals His will 
and in his purpose there's authority and power for you and for me so we can walk this earth not as men of fear and women of fear but we can walk this earth as men and women of destiny and we can have a family like Windward where we're here to help each other grow to help raise up the precious children on the foundation of the word of God Deuteronomy 28 verse 11 to 12 if we could all stand I'm going to do this as a declaration to every one of us watching on TV or in this building because this is the outcome and the promise of living in his presence making room and making time more for God in our lives. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. You don't even have to worry about it. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, that your businesses will increase and grow in the middle of a depression. That your family will increase and grow in the middle of a pandemic. And he'll increase the produce of your ground wherever you live, wherever you stand, wherever you walk. Own the territory. Own it. And in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. He swore to give you. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> that you and I are the lights of the world. That when we live in righteousness, we are blessed and blessed and blessed. For the Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season. You see, when the heavens are opened in our life, it automatically starts to have authority over the seasons of your life. Literally over the lands, over the, the natural world. When we live in the presence of God in such a way, it literally opens the blessings of the natural world to us. Just like calming a storm. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work that you do, the work of your hands. And instead of just borrowing, 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 
you're going to start lending, 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 giving to people, giving to the nations. And so I ask, oh Lord God, over everyone standing in this place right now, I pray, Father, we change and we lose our own understanding to have a renewed mind of Christ Jesus in us. I ask, oh Lord God, that everyone in this place, hmm, I see debts disappearing, falling away in Jesus' name. I see blessings of finances, but I feel like the Lord is saying, be wise when the debts are gone. In other words, that doesn't give you freedom to go get in debt again. Be wise when the money's come, that you don't just squander it and show yourself unworthy for increase more. God's looking for the people, the Solomons that are going to be wise with what he gives them. And I ask you, O Lord, that everyone in this room will be wise with your blessings, with your blessings of health, your blessings of the miraculous, your blessings of healing, your blessings of finances. But Father, most important, your blessings of family, that you have called us to be a family in love with you. Someone needs to ask forgiveness to somebody else. I can see someone's been hurt and they haven't forgiven. And that unforgiveness has created a void in you. I feel like the Lord is very much declaring and saying, first forgive yourself and then ask forgiveness for that person. Doesn't mean you're in agreement with them, you just ask for forgiveness. Hmm. I'm speaking to someone who is considering an investment. I feel like the Lord is saying, take the second option, not the first. Option B, don't option first. Option B, make the investment, says the Lord. Father, I pray, O Lord, that you give us wisdom while in your presence, and that today is another day of change. I pray, Father, that when we leave this house, we are changed. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.